0: And a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 283 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I wanna talk about the fact that Jesus is the true vine. Let's dive in. Over the last several episodes, we've been walking through the I am statements of Jesus in the book of John, and it has been so edifying for my soul. Well, today I wanna look at the last one that is given to us in John chapter 15. Now, the context of the passage is in John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. In John chapter 14, Jesus gives that grand declaration that he is the way, the truth, and the life that we looked at in the last episode. And throughout John chapter 14, Jesus is encouraging his disciples. He's telling them, hey guys, I am departing. Hey, I'm about to go to the cross. I'm going to raised from the dead, and I'm going to ascend into the in, into into heaven. So the tone is rather serious and rather sober. And yet Jesus says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, hey, look, guys, I, I know I'm leaving. Hey, look, I know that things are going to get tough. Hey, I realize that what you think that you have right now with me is really good. But I promise it's going to get even better because I'm going to send forth my Holy Spirit. Now, as you come to the end of chapter 14, Jesus makes this incredible statement in verse 23. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Now get this, and we will come to him and make our home, our abode with him. And it's interesting. Jesus says, hey, do you know what what, what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to come and you going to be our dwelling place that the god of the universe is going to come inside of you and dwell just as he dwelt as in a tabernacle in the old testament just as he dwells in the temple so too i'm going to come and i'm going to dwell within your life says jesus and i'm going to make my abode in you that word abode that word home really fascinating It comes from the same root word that we're going to look at in a second in John 15 for the word abide. And then in verse 25, Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send to my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And so Jesus is talking about the fact that his whole goal is that he wants to indwell his people, that, that he wants to come through his spirit and live in to abide in the believer. So that sets the stage then for what Jesus does in chapter 15, which is gives this illustration of the vine and the branches. And let me just read John 15, the at least the first several verses. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That is an incredible passage. And of course, it continues down through the end of the chapter. But as you're looking at what Jesus is saying, he's obviously speaking to a group of men who live in an agricultural society. They understand the whole concept of vine and branches. During the time of Jesus, vineyards apparently were fairly normal throughout Israel. And as you even look at the Old Testament, vines and branches and vineyards were often used to talk about Israel and blessings and curses and and all those kind of things. It's an incredible illustration of what Jesus is talking about in light of this idea that he wants to come and abide, abode, abode, With us, As you look at the actual I am statement of Jesus at the very beginning of John 15, he says in verse 1, I am the true vine. And that's interesting to me because if he says that I am the true vine, then what that presumes then is that there are other false vines that we can turn to. And I don't know about you, but as I look at our modern day, especially in the church, we are... Abiding in so many false vines. And yet yeah, they may be good in the sense that, well, yeah, they're, they're not evil. They're not like sinful, but they're not Jesus. We are so wrapped up in the modern culture with worship styles and with movements and blessings and, you know, miracles and wonders and signs. And none of that's actually bad. The problem is, none of that is Jesus. And Jesus says, look, I am to be the source of life. I am to be the supply of your existence, that I am the only true, real means of life for you, that as a branch, you cannot survive on your own and you cannot turn to any of these other false vines thinking that they're going to supply and give you life because I and I alone am the true vine. And that really begs the question in my own life. Well, Nathan, what have I been turning to other than Jesus to find supply, to find life, to find the source, to, to define my success, to, to find refreshment and rejuvenation? What is it that I've been turning to other than Jesus? Because ultimately, as we talked about in the last episode, if I'm turning to anything other than Jesus, it all just ends in death, and lies, and falsehood. And Jesus says, I am the true vine that is going to give life. So, so don't get wrapped up. Don't abide in any of these false vines that rather than giving life, they actually suck life from the branch. They actually make you just dead quicker. So with all that being said, I want to give three quick ideas of what does it mean for us to be branches and for Jesus to be the true vine. So number one, there's this idea of abiding. When you look at this idea of what Jesus is saying, he says, I am the vine and you are the branch. And then he makes this incredible statement in verse four. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, well, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then he says in verse five, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. I love that word abide. It's the Greek word minnow. And it has this idea to remain or to stay in a place. It gives this idea of like sinking down into. So if you can imagine like a big lazy boy recliner and you, you kind of fall into the lazy boy recliner and it just kind of envelops around you. That's kind of this idea of abiding. It's this idea of resting. It's this idea of just, Oh, a being in the midst of whatever it is that you're in. But it also has this idea of holding tight to something. In fact, my favorite definition of abide is refusing to depart I love what one lexicon defined this. This is a, this is a Greek definition or a Greek dictionary on the word, but one lexicon said it this way, that abiding or this word minnow is an inward, enduring, personal communion. Isn't that good? It's an inward, enduring, personal communion. So, so what does it mean to abide in Jesus? Well, it means to stay there. It means to sink down into him. It means to hold tight. It means to refuse to depart from him because he is my sole means of life. That when I abide, when I minnow in Jesus, it's an inward, enduring, personal communion with him. And what a great picture with vine and branches of what I'm to have with Jesus that this is not something I can just put on autopilot. I I need to refuse to depart. I need to cling to Jesus with everything that I have. And though I'm holding tightly to him in, in one way, though I'm, I'm, I'm refusing to let go of him because he's my soul means of life. Yet he's like a big lazy boy recliner that I just fall back into. And, and he envelops me and I'm just resting in him. And I'm having this Again, as that lexicon said, an inward, enduring, personal communion with Him—that I'm just experiencing life, and I'm constantly turning my mind to Him, and I'm constantly living in the reality of what He is wanting to do in and through me. And, and I, this is not me gritting my teeth, living the Christian life. This is hey, w- would I just, would I just fall in love with Jesus, and would I allow His Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ, to envelop my life and and lead me and give me wisdom and direction? And that's not passive. I mean, yes, I'm in a lazy bar recliner and I'm resting in him, in, in this peace, in this, in this rest. And yet I'm pressing in, I'm, I'm clinging to you, I'm holding tight, I'm, I'm engaging, I'm leaning. And I'm refusing to depart from that source of life. So as you look at the passage, you could ask the question, well, what is the job description of a branch? And would I've often asked our students, hey, what's the job description of the branch? A lot of them will say, well, it's to bear fruit. And I'm like, no, no, no. Look at that. Look at the passage. When you look at the passage, the job description in the context is actually not to bear fruit. Now you will bear fruit. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But the job description of the branch isn't to bear fruit. The job description of a branch is to abide. And the sole focus, the sole responsibility of a branch should be cling, rest, refuse to depart from that vine, because apart from that vine, you can do nothing. That there is no life within you apart from that vine. So if you are going to function as a Christian, if you're going to live as you are called to live, if you're going to be a Christian, it is going to demand that you stay close, that you're going to pursue diligently, that you grab a hold of and you refuse to let go of the life, which is Jesus. But then that brings us to the outflow of this whole thing. If, if the job description, number one, is to abide in Jesus, well, then what is the result or the the natural outflow of that abiding? Well, and number two, it's this idea of bearing fruit. In the passage, if you are abiding in the vine, without a doubt, you will bear fruit. Now, it's not a question of, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But if if a branch is connected to a healthy vine and the life source, the life of the vine flows up through the vine into the branch, guaranteed, without a doubt, the branch will produce fruit. So the branch's responsibility is not to grit its teeth, trying to produce fruit. The branch's responsibility is to abide. But as it abides, without a doubt, the natural result or the outflow of that is that it will bear fruit. And that is very true in our lives as believers. That as Jesus says, apart from him, I can do nothing. And yet when I abide in him, my life is going to show evidence of his life, that that the reality, the life of Christ is going to be formed within me and there will be fruits that come out of my life. Now, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to see the list of these, but there's a lot of things that scripture says is the fruit of abiding in Jesus. For example, in Romans uh, 1 and John chapter 4, there's this idea that, that when we are living in his life, that there will be a harvest that leads people to Christ And mature in their faith. In Romans 6, there's this idea that there is fruit that leads us unto sanctification or this idea of greater holiness. In Ephesians, Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. In in Colossians chapter 1, he says this idea that bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And in Hebrews, there's this idea that there's a fruit of our lips, which comes forth in praise and worship. Again, I'll put the references to all those passages in the show notes, but perhaps the most iconic or the most popular passage about fruit is in Galatians chapter five. And Paul says that the fruit of the spirit, think about this, that when I abide in him, that the fruit of that life, the fruit of that spirit that lives within us, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So grab a hold of this idea. The whole focus, if Jesus is the vine and I'm a branch, the whole focus of the branch is to remain, to abide, to sink down into, to hold tight to, to refuse to depart, to have that inward personal communion With Jesus. And when I do that, without a doubt, his life, the evidence of that vine, is going to be demonstrated in and through that branch. So, how will I know if I'm a true, healthy branch that is actually alive? How do I know? What is the evidence of the fact that I'm abiding in Jesus? Well, the answer is am I bearing the fruit of Christ in my life? Am I becoming more and more like him? Am I becoming more Christ-like in my thoughts and my attitude and my motives and my actions and my words? Which brings us to the third concept, which is this idea of pruning. There's a hidden strength that the branch has access to. And it's one that none of us actually like. (laughs) When we actually talk about this idea of pruning, uh, that's, that's not the fun part. I mean, the fun part is bearing the fruit. I mean, the fun part is, oh, having the life of the vine. Pruning is a removal of something. Pruning is difficult. And yet we find in the passage that the hidden strength or the secret strength of the branch is in the pruning. And there's this interesting character that Jesus mentions, who who is the father. And he says this again in, in verse one. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So think about this. If you are a branch, something is going to be cut. <laughs> At some point, there will be cutting in your life. And in this illustration, we are all branches. So we will be cut. The question is, what kind of cutting are we going to experience? Because if we are not abiding and there is no life of Christ within us, then there will be a cutting, but the cutting is a removal, a taking away of the branch from that vine. And we find out later in chapter 15 that the only thing that dead branches are good for is the burn pile. And yet if we are a live branch, if we have the life of the vine within us, strangely, there is still a cutting. But the cutting is not a removal. The cutting is a pruning for the purpose of bearing more fruit. Now, I don't live in an agricultural society. And yet I have noticed when it comes to like, say, rose bushes, that if you don't prune a rose bush, it actually is not healthy. It actually is un- it becomes limited in-, in what it can produce. And yet what seems like a devastation to the plant as you're cutting it back actually allows it to have better life. It actually allows more fruit to be produced. And as you look at the life of the Christian, you realize that we are not promised bliss and, you know, bunny rabbits and sunflowers and Skittles falling from the sky. That That, that is not the life of the Christian. In fact, Jesus over and over says, do you know what I'm going to promise you? Oh, difficulty, suffering, hardship. And of course we tend to, like to ignore those passages in scripture because we're like, but Jesus, if you are God and I'm a Christian, I, I should be walking in bliss. I, I should be walking in joy and happiness all the time. And Jesus says, yeah, you, you can have joy all the time, but it's joy in the midst of the circumstance. It's life in the midst of the difficulty and the world is opposed to me, says the Lord. And so if you are truly my disciple, if you are a branch abiding in that true vine, and the world hates the true vine, well, they're going to hate you as the branch. So don't be surprised by persecutions and hardships and difficulties. And yet it is through those, it is through the challenges of life that God actually leverages in our lives as a pruning process so that we become more dependent, so that we would abide more, if you want to think of it that way, so that he could actually produce more fruit through us that the very life of Christ could be more clearly seen through our lives because of the hardships, the persecutions, the difficulties, the trials that we face. In the passage, you start to realize that God is more interested in the health and the life of the vine than he is about the appearance or the physical attraction of that vine. In other words, a vine that is cut, or sorry, a branch that is cut back, that is pruned, does not look great. But yet, a true vine dresser is not so much concerned about the appearance as much as he is the health. And I think that is so true in our lives. We, in our modern construct, you know, are so focused on our appearance. You know, what does our social media appearance demonstrate, you know, do we have it all together? Do we look like great Christians? Do we have that shining photo with the Bible, you know, in in our posts? And yet God's like, I I don't care about all that because half the time that's just a facade. God is interested in the health and the life of a branch. So you could be severely cut back. And if we had time, uh, there's some great stories I could share of the pruning seasons (laughs) that I've gone through. And they are hard and they are difficult and they are crazy. And yet one of the things that I found is that it causes me to turn my gaze afresh to Jesus, to rely, to trust, to depend in him all the more. And as such, it actually is one of the means of grace in my life that God uses to produce greater godliness and Christ likeness in and through my life. So if you're facing hardship and difficulties and trials right now, See it as a blessing of the Lord. Now, he may not have caused it. I get that. But you realize that he wants to use it so that he can conform you to the image of Christ, which is what Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, that God is leveraging all circumstances in our lives to bring about his purpose and plan. Well, what is his purpose and plan? Well, Paul says in Romans eight twenty-nine that the reason God is using all things for good in your life Is so that he might conform you to the image of Christ. And I've used this illustration before, but that word conformed is this idea of like playing with Play Doh in a plastic mold. That, you know, here you have this glob of Play Doh and you shove it into one of those plastic molds that looks like some animal. And anything that doesn't fit in that plastic mold, you cut away because it's not a part of the mold. And that's kind of the idea of this word conformed, that God is taking your life and he's shoving you into a mold that looks like Jesus. And anything in your life that doesn't look like him, he wants to cut away. He wants to prune so that you will look like Jesus. So you need to understand that the job description of the branch is number one, to abide. That the outflow of that, number two, is that you'll bear fruit. And that number three, the secret advantage of a branch is actually in the pruning. Let me just summarize it this way. If you and I don't decide to abide in Jesus and bear fruit, then the only thing that that we're good for is the burn pile. I, I liked what Warren Wiersbe said about this passage. He said, the branches of a vine are good for only two things, fruit or fuel, bearing Or burning. I thought that was a great way of saying it. That we will either abide in Jesus and bear fruit, or we will not abide in Jesus, be cut off, and we're only left with burning. So can I ask you, what in your life needs to be pruned? What is it in your life that doesn't look like Jesus? Maybe another question is, is the vine, if Jesus is the true vine, is he truly everything in your life? Are you truly dependent and trusting and surrendered to the life of that of that vine? Are you abiding? Are you are you refusing to depart from that life? And you could say, Well, how do I know? Well, is that fruit of his life coming out of you? That, that when you look at Galatians chapter five, and he says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, are those things. In your life and ever increasing and growing, Jesus looking at his disciples says, Hey guys, look, don't, don't be sad that I'm leaving because this is actually a good thing. Because if I go, I'm going to return in my spirit. I'm going to abode in you and I and the father I'm going to, are going to abide in you and you are going to abide in me. That is an incredible reality that you and I get to participate in. Because Jesus is that true vine. Well, I really want that to be the reality for you, not just good theory. Uh, there's so many times we can listen to great, you know, messages or podcasts and just go, yeah, that's that's a great concept. Yay! And yet nothing in our life ever changes. And I I'm I'm so desirous to have this in totality in my life. And my burden and my prayer for you. Is that this doesn't just become good information? Oh, yay, Jesus is the true vine. But in reality, this becomes the flow and the tone of your life, that you would actually abide in Jesus Christ, that, that you would bear fruit unto godliness. And your whole life, as Paul says in Romans 11:36, The way that we could describe your life and all that you do and how you think and how you function and your work and your marriage and your family is, as Paul says, that it'd be from him and through him and to him for his glory alone. What would it look like if all of our lives were from Jesus, through Jesus, through his his enablement and power and life and unto him for his glory alone? I desperately want to see that return to the stage of our times. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including the list of all the verses and those fruits that are supposed to be bearing out of our lives that I mentioned, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 283 for episode 283. And until next time, know I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you as you build your life around Jesus Christ.